What is up, everyone? Hey, it's Nick with the Arsenal Bros. We got another great show for you today, reviewing lots. Our first preseason game here in the States against Everton. Lots of transfer movement with Zinchenko now almost official. Official from everybody else but the club. And a resounding win against Orlando City. So we'll have that instant reaction as well. So have a listen. The Arsenal bros are back. We are minus a bro for part one. Benny will be jumping in in part two to share a little bit about his Orlando experience. But Kevin is jumping on with me, Nick, today, and we got a lot to walk through. It's been a busy summer already, Kev. You doing all right? It's been a great summer. I'm feeling feeling pretty good about everything, you know. This is I think back on my career as an Arsenal fan and I have trouble feeling finding a time that I felt better than I do right now. But that's a fair point. And the thing is, we're not even in the Champions League and we're feeling great about uh, where we're at currently. And I feel like that's a pretty good spot to be in. So and it's it's been a busy summer and from multiple aspects and. I was listening to the Arscast, and uh, they reminded me, or maybe it was Charles Watts, both legends, they reminded me of how bad last preseason was. And, Gosh. And, and we left, we left, I think, three signings very late. But we also, I think, lost or drew every preseason game we had. So to get a couple going in the right direction, I know it's preseason, but just – gives you a little hopefully some uh, momentum going into uh going into the season so yeah and, feel a little better and i don't even know didn't we go most of those games without even scoring a goal last year well i remember we had rangers and hibernian and i mean we had the euros last summer too so it was a bit of a cluster but this summer it makes me feel like uh we knew what our business had to be in uh we're getting it done. So that we are. Lots to talk about. And speaking of business, we gotta we gotta get to our own business here. Let's First, do it. We'll start with our win in Baltimore. Like I had mentioned, awesome that Benji got to go. Um sent some great videos and, and pictures from the event and I continue to see more and more. Um I think it really shows how big the club is but also how passionate fans abroad are and i you know i've never been to england i i've met a couple folks from there but i don't think they understand you know to them it's a religion but i don't think they understand you know how big it is to us over here too and i think the players in the club got a bit of a taste of that and uh that was pretty cool but a great performance against Everton we end the season with Everton and uh, we just continue our form of battering them a 2-0 victory uh, with goals from who else but Gabriel Jesus and he assisted Saka in a convincing win first half especially second half a little bit of uh, a transitional team but a performance nonetheless how do you feel about the win. Let me go through the lineup quick. Jesus up top in our familiar 4-2-3-1. I guess it was probably a 4-3-3. Jesus up top. 
Saka and Martinelli. That's a dangerous front three. Middle three of Xhaka, Porti, and Odegaard. Backline, Cedric. The debut, the re-debut of William Saliba, Gabriel Nuno, and Matt Turner in goal. What did you think of the game? I, I think you were spot on. I really, really enjoyed the first half. And I think after that point, once the lineup changes happened, you were a little bit over the match itself. You wanted to see how some of the reserves did, but the most important part was that first half. And it just left you with such a a good feeling and a sense of, I don't want to say relief, but a sense of calm over what this next season has in store, just with the performances from so many of the top players. And we so thoroughly dominated that Everton team, which largely was full strength for them. And that was without, I think both of our, obviously two big changes were both outside backs were out for us with Tierney and Tomiyasu. And, you know, it was, it was such a struggle throughout most of last season when, whatever Nuno and or Cedric played. So seeing us just absolutely dominate that fixture was something we haven't seen much from Arsenal over the past, over the past numerous seasons. Yeah. To me, I think you just really see the patterns um, becoming ingrained in these players. And I think you also saw how, how quickly um, Jesus is settling in. I mean, this is all muscle memory for him. Uh, did anything surprise you out of the match? It sounded like you felt assured in the performance and excited, but did anything surprise you or anything catch you off guard a little bit? Yeah, you know, we talk about the trust the process. We hear those phrases every single day, see them every day on Twitter, and we always try and compare ourselves to, I think, it's safe to say that the goal is to be to become city or liverpool and obviously with arteta being from city kind of a worked with pep so closely for all those years we compare a lot of what we're doing to the city project and to me the interesting change that i noticed on saturday was not city but liverpool and the fact that when we won the ball back, especially in our defensive third and our in the midfield, we got the ball forward as quickly as we can. It was just vertical passing mm. over and over again. And it was just just like Liverpool to get the ball for Damane to Salah to Jota to Firmino and then go. And that's what you noticed Arsenal doing over and over again. And Saka, Jesus and Martinelli were just relentless in that first half and it was so refreshing to see that attacking side of our game on full display in that first half yeah we talk about how much the attack struggled last year I mean we've we've talked uh, at length about the difference a mobile striker would make for us and I think we're already seeing that but now seeing the attack as a collective uh, seeing that improve at least seeing glimpses of it. I know it's preseason. None of us are trying to get carried away, but we've been starving 
for this attack and uh, to get Saka some help has been uh, has been good to see. Any players stick out to you specifically? And you know we we spend these opening minutes talking about the attack and to me. I think the guy we all wanted to see, maybe even more so than Gabriel Jesus, was William Saliba. Mm. And to be fair, every everything he does, you're looking to see, all right, was that good? What do we think? How did he look? And to me, it was so exciting to see him play. Just not for the fact that it was his really only Arsenal debut. I can't remember who he played against a couple of years ago. But he came on as a sub. Yeah, like and... a Papa John's trophy. He played with the U21s or something wild. And that's about all we got. Yeah, and you saw him in that first half a couple of times. Just the one time he tracked down Calvert-Lewin, got him behind and forced him to, to I think, either play the ball or ended up winning it back. But just looked looked a player who was so physically ready to play at this level that it makes you almost salivate at the thought of what we can do with our back line over, over this next season. And a, a couple of things that stood out for Saliba were, number one, the ball never stopped at his feet. Mm. It was always moving. He was always receiving it across his body not killing the play. And we, we've gotten so used over the years as Arsenal fans to this sideways, 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 passing the ball, moving slowly rotating from one center back to the other. And Saliba is just not that dude who's going to be slow and relaxed in that possession. And every pass he made, you felt like there was a purpose on it. He, played the guy to the right foot, played the guy at the right angle, and appears to be the exact dude that Arteta wants in terms of playing out of the back and progressive and building forward. So to me, it sh- it showed me what we've all thought is that he's going to be a serious threat to start at center back for us. Yeah, and that's a great problem to have. I'm seeing a lot of Ben White qualities in him. We talk about moving the ball forward at pace, gliding into the middle third with the ball, always looking to move it quickly. Definitely similarities there. But physically, man, he is a monster, and he he just looks like a he looks like a tight end. But then you see him move, and it's like, I mean, you talk about Calvert Lewin. I mean, had no issues. Chasing him down and um, just putting him to the outside. And, uh, yeah, was very impressed. I mean, yeah, you're right. We're always going to look for – it's going to be easy to find all the good things that he did. And we'll see what we're made out of and see what he's made out of once he makes his first mistake, kind of when Ramsdale was on his hot streak and, you know, something was going to happen. Eventually, eventually a mistake was going to happen. We're going to see how – he rebounds from that, so I think uh, we'll learn about a lot about ourselves as fans here uh, when that yeah. happens, but we won't worry about that because he looked fantastic. I think, to me, obviously, Jesus was tremendous and continues to look the part, um, but I was impressed with Eddie's second half. I mean, with a fully changed team, 
lots of reserve guys um, or what you could even call the Deadwood, and he was on that roster but still uh, I mean, stood out, definitely. I mean, had somebody had to pull some weight on that second team. Just wasn't the best collective effort. I mean, the game was essentially done when we scored that second. Everton makes lots of changes too. A bit of a cluster the second half, but Eddie really stood out and he, he looks hungry. What I love when Jesus scored, you know, did his phone celebration, but pointed to Eddie and uh, then Eddie posted something about Jesus, like full bars or something. So their little bromance is interesting because that was kind of, you know, when Eddie signed, it was almost surprising because everybody knew a striker had to be coming in and you had to think, you know, is he signing up for this backup role again? Or does he know something we don't? And, you know, it's really seemed to motivate him. And, you know, I, I hope Jesus can really uh, take him under his wing and you know, make make Eddie the best that he can be. And I, in turn, I hope Eddie, pushing really hard, gets the most out of Jesus. And, you know, I, they have very similar profiles and uh, – just really excited about them blossoming. I think to me, what surprised me the most was the suffocating press. I mean, that was that was insane. The whole first half led to the two goals, and you know, it was it reminded me a little bit of uh, of last season. I mean, you press really hard, you get your goals, and then uh, defensively, you shut up shop and you take care of business. And we did that plenty, but. That press was so high. I mean, you saw three, sometimes even four guys. I mean, we're talking Everton's defensive third be pushing back into the box, and it was a, uh, it was suffocating. So, very impressed with that first girl. So, yeah, all, all in all, a great a great time in Baltimore, and uh, we'll hear more from Ben about that. So, any any closing thoughts about Baltimore? Nothing too much outside of, obviously, the Gabriel Jesus excitement goes without saying. I know I saw a tweet, and I feel bad even roasting on Laka anymore because we've said he, he served his time well, and I think we you got everything out of that we could have. But just that, the goal that he scored off that corner, I remember seeing a tweet saying that Lacazette would have taking the ball down and then shielded the guy off and passed it backwards and not to get into whatever he would have done, but just an, an incredible take. And we, we saw so often with city Jesus was the guy who was at the back post, putting away those chances. And it, I don't even, I don't want to call it a half chance, but the touch to bring it down was incredible. And then, the finish goes without saying also, but just the type of goal that we have lacked for so long and that will win us so many points this year. And I think every performance he he's put in for us, which is obviously just two so far leaves you wanting more and hopeful for what he's going to bring during the actual premier league campaign. It was interesting because in the, before he scored, um, there was a loose pass that he pounced on in the box and hit it first time, and Pickford made a good save. And, you know, I saw some people on Twitter saying, those are the chances that you need to bury. I'm like, not this again. And he scores like three minutes later, and I was like, calm 
coma, you know. Yeah. And every player misses those chances. You see Sala miss those week in, week out. And it's so easy to harp on those misses. But what Jesus is going to do is get himself into those positions three, four times a game. And he's going to score one or two of those. And that will be the difference. Exactly. Well said. So, a great night in Baltimore. And we move on to... Orlando. The lads are in Orlando uh, tomorrow night. Not tomorrow night. Wednesday night. And that's on ESPN+. Plus. We're looking forward to getting a quality stream of that this time. Um, Orlando City. It's such an interesting time to play them. They're in the middle of their MLS campaign. About halfway through the season, they're sitting in fifth in a playoff spot in the Eastern Conference. But they're going to be playing in a friendly when everyone else is going to have a game off. So, I mean, there's no midweek MLS game. So I just find it really interesting. I'm sure they're going to play some, some younger players or some more reserved guys. And I think the same could be said for us looking forward to Chelsea on Saturday. So that's what I'm anticipating. But again, another one to look forward to that we had, we were without a lot of guys against Baltimore no Smith Rowe, no Tomiyasu, no Tierney, no Ramsdale, no Fabio Vieira, uh, and no Ben White. So six guys that you're anticipating going to be either starting or pushing for minutes. We didn't have, and we'll get to a question about this here later. But was uh, you know, our depth is growing, and as much as I hope those guys come back, it was also refreshing to see us put together some without without everyone we need. So Orlando City coming in and Chelsea after that. Hopefully the Chelsea game comes in time for us to get a certain new signing unveiled. This one uh Yes this one, sir. This one's moved quickly. Zinchenko with the Orn Orny Bomba and the Fabrizio here we go. This one could be done quickly. Man. Couldn't be, couldn't be more excited about this. We talked about Zinchenko in our first summer pod we did and previewed so many things about him that we liked. That was before the Lissandro news ever came out. And not to get into United's business, but if I had my choice over Lissandro for, we'll even say 50 million or Zinchenko for, around the 30 to 35 that he's being rumored for man. Give me Zinchenko day in and day out. And not that I want to knock back on the Gabriel Jesus signing or any of the other ones, but that's a signing that I could not be more excited for. I think he brings us so many qualities that we need. And if you look at potentially our biggest area of need going into next going into this next campaign. I think that signing a number nine was important, but we have struggled so much when our left back tyranny has been out over the last two seasons and to potentially lock down a guy who has been one of the best in the league over the past few years, not only at left back, but a guy who, plays and stands out at center mid and also 
is a winner. There's so many qualities about him stand out to me that we're just getting an absolute steal and a guy that Arteta already knows and is comfortable with, I think will be a guy that can quickly integrate into the squad and put in shifts for us day in and day out. Yeah, I. It, it's hard to find something he doesn't bring. I mean, everybody's saying, oh, you're bringing City B, but look at, I mean, Jao Cancelo's arguably the easily the best in the league. Him and Trent are in another stratosphere. But then you can yeah. think, Cancelo's one of the best in the world, and then it's like, well, well Zinchenko, I mean, Zinchenko came on and, and won them the game that won them the league. And for the price that we got him at, I mean, when you look at it on paper, it's like, okay, you're bringing a potentially rotational left back and maybe center mid cover. And it's like, oh, you're paying $30 million for that. What kind of business is that? But you look at the age, you look at the pedigree, you look at the leadership. I mean, being the Ukrainian captain, going through the, I mean, the last season that he did and dealing with all that, you know, I was always very impressed with how he handled himself. And on top of all that, like you mentioned, I mean, our season has gone downhill quickly when we lost Kieran Tierney. You look at us in the Europa League semis playing Granite Xhaka back there, which in turn kills our midfield and kills our buildup. And then last season, Tierney was the first one to go. We go at Crystal Palace for flying high after international break. And hour before kickoff, there's no Tierney. We then get a report saying his knee's done. And, uh, I mean, all hell breaks loose and our season flames out. And now having it, I mean, in those two seasons, we relied on Saka slash Jaka to cover. And two seasons ago, our depth was even less than last season. The last season, you know, a Nuno Tavares just, just couldn't get the job done. And, you know, to find adequate maybe not even adequate cover. It's uh, somebody that can really push KT. And, you know, I'm hoping KT is better with somebody pushing him, just like we talked about Eddie and Jesus. Um, But, I mean, KT's already missed. He's missed this game, and it's, it's unfortunately just something you have to keep an eye out for. And now getting somebody like him, you're just confident. Like, if something happens we got a guy that can step in and do exactly what we need to do. For sure. And, you know, I think I remember I messaged you on Saturday before the game, probably like two, three in the afternoon U.S. time, so four or five hours before the game. And I just said that, you know who I haven't seen in any of Arsenal's (laughs) tweets, anything like that? I'm like, where's Tierney been? And you were like – yeah, I haven't seen him, and I just had this feeling that something was off, and I think it it's easy as Arsenal fans to overreact in a situation like this because we felt, I don't want to say he's hurt us, but it's what we're, we've been used to, and that's been the reality, and mm-hmm. I will say in potentially in Tierney's defense is preseason is meant to be stressful on the guys, and a lot of people who don't know, who have never been through a preseason as a player or a coach at, we'll say, a more advanced level, is un- people don't understand how much guys' bodies are pushed 
really to the absolute breaking point. And when you feel those knocks, when you feel those niggles in your muscles, you're pulled out and you're rested and you're given your body a chance to recover. And he's just recovering from knee surgery. He's almost ahead of schedule from what they thought he may be at. So I could easily see it being that, you know what, they're just being safe with him. There's no reason to rush it and he's good, but just with the past, what he's been through the, the pain and suffering has caused the fan base. It's somewhat understandable, but I, I have hope that it's nothing serious and that he will be, he will be back much sooner rather than later. Yeah, definitely. I mean, we talk about the toll it takes on your body, plus the travel, and plus, like you said, just ultimately him coming back from a knee surgery. There's no need to rush anyone. So, yeah, I, I don't have an issue with us being cautious. I mean, really want him back. Um, but now knowing that we could have somebody that makes it breathe a little easier when we don't have him. Um, it's great, and that's exciting for sure. So major, major quality, and that one happened fast. I mean, less than a week ago that started coming up, and I think once the Lissandra price got to uh, got to a certain number, we're like, nope, there's no, we have no business in this at this price, and I think that says a lot about just says a lot about us at, um, I don't know, just us running a business, um, us being a, a club. And yeah, we, we get to a point where, like, nope, we will not go beyond that. And I don't know if we've uh, heard much about us doing stuff like that, but pretty exciting for sure. I mean, nobody wants to be the team that pulls out of deals, but, you know, I think smart clubs are ones that, don't get into bidding wars. And we saw that with Rafinha as well. So no need to get in those positions for sure. So, um, I mean, knowing, you know, this left left back pursuit, you know, go for Lissandra, gets to a point, pull out. We go go to our backup and we get a here we go from Fabrizio. Within a week, it makes me think, okay, us going for, Rafinha, we got to a certain number, we pulled out, and it makes me think we've we've had our backup and we feel confident about our backup. And I think uh I think we're gonna hear about that really soon and uh thrilled about that for sure. Yeah, and it, it makes you wonder we were we've been linked with Zinchenko for so long. Arteta clearly has a relationship built with him already. It makes you wonder how serious the Lissandro interest really was from an Arsenal perspective. Mm. And I think it was serious, but I read somewhere on Twitter from it was some it was a reputable account. I can't remember if it was LT Arsenal or I don't know, I'll probably butcher his name, but Eduardo Hagen. Mm. And it was one. It was one of the a Twitter accounts at that level, and they said that they think that Edu basically stepped in, and I think they liked the player. They negotiated at a low level, and then by getting involved, they helped jack the price way up. 
just by putting their name in there. <laughs> and, that, and that caused United to have to eventually pay 25 to 30 million more than we were willing to offer for him because our, our last offer was 30 million and look what United ended up paying. And it could almost be a, a roundabout way of a dude pulling a masterclass on United and causing them to spend significantly over what they thought they may have to spend to get a player of that quality. While meanwhile, our top target all along was Zinchenko, which we appear to have landed. Man, it, that would be the definition of 4D chess. I, I don't know if we have the time or energy to, to waste there. I, I think he was a target, but I think, I think we were out of it a long time ago. And classic United and Chelsea so far this window, like, oh, you're linked with this player? Oh, well, we're just going to go for him too then. And that's fine, but this is what we value the player at. And, you know, I think United was always favored. Talking to some of my United friends, they always thought it was going to happen, like they think most deals, I feel like. But, you know, the United pull, I don't want to hear any of that. This was just a player wanting to play for his his manager. And it creates an interesting thing for them. I mean, they already have... A plethora of left backs, Luke Shaw, Alex Tellish, and then you have Harry Maguire playing left center back. Well, something's going to have to give here, so I'm not exactly sure. I don't really care. I'm glad we didn't spend that much for him. I liked him, and I think a lot of people were really excited about him, but, you know, I I, I think Zinchenko checked um, slightly different boxes, and um, I, I'm just seeing seeing how fast Jay's Deuce has hit the ground running has got me excited about getting more people. Um, I mean, not that we're going to try to get more, but I think uh, getting somebody like Zinchenko coming in uh, is pretty exciting. Absolutely. Prem proven, as we always like to uh, say. Yes, there's, there's major value in that for sure. So... I mean, what do you see the rest of our business looking like? We have two and a half weeks or so till the season starts, which is crazy. And, you know, I think the goal is for Zinchenko to be done by, um, and maybe him involved um, uh, for the Chelsea game at the weekend here in the States. I mean, he is in the States. I think City is in Houston. So that doesn't... uh, that's not a huge, unless he has to go back to England for the medical or whatever. I'd like to think we get a medical done over here, but I think that that can be wrapped up quickly. And then, uh, and then from there, it's like, uh, okay, who, who's next? What are you, what are you thinking? Maybe positionally or maybe name specifically. So number one, I'll say I think. Right now, the onus is on Arsenal a little bit to get the Zinchenko deal across the line quickly because I don't know that Tierney will be ready for match week one away at Palace. Mm. And I think we... Obviously, we see the value in getting results early on in a campaign and how important that is, how important three points are in match week one versus match week 
37 and 38. And Zinchenko can come in and we're confident right away if he goes in at left back. And you're just – no offense to Nuno. I love him. I think he has such a player in him somewhere. But we're much more confident going into week one away at Palace if we have Zinchenko at left back instead of Nuno. Yeah. So I think that, that that's a deal that we're looking to get across the line quickly. And from there, the rest of our business, I think it's – I could see us bringing in maybe one to two more players. And a little bit of it, I think, will depend on some of our outgoing business. Mm-hmm. I, I hope we can get – you know, I've loved Pepe for – the last few seasons <laughs> and I'll be sad to see him go, but I hope we can get him out. And the the curious thing is there's rumors about potentially Leon being interested. Lester has now come into the picture and obviously goes without saying that we're linked with players at each of those two teams. And I'd love to see us work out a deal for Pepe to come or for Pepe to go and another guy to come in, whether it's Paqueta or Tielemans. And at this point, I'm happy with either one of those two players. Mm. I think they, they both offer something unique. And I saw today that the asking price for Paqueta has dropped again. I saw I that. And uh, that would make you think, can we get both? I don't know if that's the, that's selfish, but it, it makes you wonder. And to me, at some point, there's nothing wrong with stockpiling riches. If you're going to stockpile riches anywhere, give it to me in the midfield. And I don't know how much longer Jacques is going to be with the squad. I think, no offense to BK, one of the other Arsenal bros. <laughs> he loves El Nenny, but I think El Nenny's days are somewhat numbered in an arsenal shirt i think we need to adding guys in the midfield is never going to be a bad thing so you add two players like that they just they offer different qualities to what we are looking for and so adding one i think we need one more midfield addition i'll be much more confident if we can add one more guy but definitely i mean we we talk about windows raising the ceiling, but also raising the floor. And you mentioned stockpiling. I I, I know what you're saying, I, but I don't think that's the word. It, I think it's just loading, you know, loading the depth. And we see City and Liverpool um, start to think so deep. I mean, 90-plus points competing on all fronts because they have enough quality to where if something happens – that's all right. You know, we got other guys to do that that know exactly what they're supposed to do. And, uh, yeah, I think continuing to, to do that is 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 it. I think you know, Fabrizio reported last week that um, an attacker is one of the main moves. And so, you know, I like your idea of swap deals with Pepe. I think, I think we get one more for sure. And... I think if we can move a couple of these guys, because I don't think we've still sold anybody, anybody of significant value. And we have, we have about six weeks left of the window. So there's, there's encouraging 
the amount of time there. Obviously, we'd love to get this done, get everything done before the season. And we've got, we've to be fair, we've got a lot done, and that's that's credit to Adu. Um, but we still have Leno, we still have Bellerin, we still have Pepe. Those are kind of the three main ones that everybody would love to get off the wage bill and to see elsewhere. I mean, all great servants all have had their moments with the club, but respectfully, we're moving on without them. They're not part of the plan. And, yeah. And uh, it would be best for both parties to find them a new home. And, man, if we if we could get two of them, Pepe's a big one because we're hoping we can get enough for him. Um but, man, if we could do that, I think we're really going to make a splash. Yeah, seeing the lowered price for Paqueta makes me think, oh, yeah, we can do that. We've worked with Leon, um, their president, Jean-Michael Olas. I'm not going to work with the French names well, but he uh, he's stubborn from what I read. But seeing that lower price, I mean, if a player pushes, anything can happen. So... I uh, I'm not putting that one out. It sounds like there's a chance that it could, and uh, I think once Zinchenko, now that it's pretty much wrapped up with the here we go, get this medical done, get that announced. I think things are going to move very quickly uh, to the next target because it sounds like we're trying to get everything done before the season, and I love that because you had mentioned it. I mean, I think once the season started, we brought in Odegaard. Ramsdale and Tomiyasu. I don't, I think those are the only ones. I mean, half of our summer signing. Yeah, because we had Lakanga, White, and Tavares all done before that. But half of our summer signings came after the season. And not that I'm saying they make a massive difference in those games, but, you know, if even if they get one preseason game and you get somebody you want in, yeah, I'd like to think that that helps. So, and the. And you know what? Stubborn people learn from their mistakes also. And you look at the Leon president hmm. and he had offers of 60 to 65 million for OR mm-hmm. in the last two summers no and doubt. didn't do it. And now look at what they're going to lose him for. Probably like for pennies Yeah, compared to, compared to that offer. And I think Arsenal, our moves have been so good that we are now maybe one to two signings away from seriously competing on every front and with changes at city changes at Liverpool. I don't, I don't want to say we're ready to challenge for the title. I don't think we're there yet, but I think we're good enough to seriously compete with those teams. Like, like Chelsea did two years ago when they won the champions league Mm. and and could play with them. And, you know, you look at a guy like Leroy Sané from Bayern and getting rid of Pepe's wages frees up wages for a guy like that who's going to command that type of salary. And a guy who I think the cost worries you. He's not been as good since he's been at Bayern. But there's no doubt the talent is there. And if... Arteta has shown us anything is that he can get the most out of guys. And so he's one that's so intriguing to me that could be, could be worth looking at. And you know what? We've done good business 
with every signing so far. And if we have to spend a little bit over, so be it. That's what that's what teams do ultimately. And I think you have a little bit of room to do that. Yeah, definitely. I mean, we've worked so hard to clear the wage bill and uh, we're about in that position where we have. And now it will allows us to go make a splash. I think, I think whatever midfield signing we get is going to be somebody that we trust to do a job there. Um, not staying like an El Nini do a job, but like a Tielemans. It sounds like he's pushing for that move. Um, I'm interested to see. I, you know, it's already been strung up this long. Do we have concerns over him? Do we know he's there? Are we playing it out like Odegaard, like waiting for the club or player to make their move? He's got one year left on his deal. Lester don't want to lose him. He doesn't sound like he's resigning. They're going to need to sell him. I'm surprised other teams haven't jumped on this, but similar to Rafinha, if he wants, if he wants a club, and you push for it, that's usually what you get. So, you know, I, I would be, I would be pumped about that. Um, I think he would, he would fit in well and just again bolster that midfield. Now we have so many options, and then now you look at a big splash in some position up top. I mean, getting. Zinchenko. I mean, we made bids for Lissandro and Rafinha. So I'm thinking we got hundred million left. And we spend and that's that's without sales. Let's say we sell Leno and Bellerin and or Pepe. I mean, let's add another twenty million to that. Then I know that's that's maybe on the optimistic end, but let's say we have 120 to work with. So we sell um we signed Zinchenko for 30, and now we have 90. Let's say we get Tillman's for 20. That seems like 20 to 30. Let's go 30, I guess. So now we have 60 million to make a splash. And I don't know, depending on the situation for the player, I mean, 60 million, you, you can get some talent for that. And, you know, I'm thinking about a Harvey Barnes. Um, Jared Bowen's in that range. He's one that wouldn't excite me. I think he's on the, I think he's a flash in the pan a little bit. Uh, that might be a hot take, but I, I personally would love Harvey Barnes. I think he's maybe a little more in the age range. Um, you know, a James Madison to get another attacker. I think we definitely need somebody that can handle it on the right side. And yeah, you know, I, you know, we had a huge text thing about. Madison and we went pretty hard about Madison or Odegaard last year and ultimately I think we made the right choice I mean I Odegaard's my favorite player I absolutely love him but I still think Madison could really be dynamic with us so I don't know I can't actually you know if we get Gilman's I can't see us going and get Madison as well but you never know when if a player asks for something so um that's kind of how I see it I see I see a, a maybe a lower cost midfielder and a splash with an attacker and uh, man, we're going to be getting close to a ten out of ten window. I mean, I I don't think we'd have had a better window in my lifetime as an Arsenal fan. I mean, in my no way in my sixteen years of support, there's no way that we've come close to that. I mean, we've heard rumblings of a Saliba contract at least in the works. The Saka contract is very much in the works and you get those taken care of before the end of the window plus 
bringing in Matt Turner, bringing in uh, Fabio Vieira out of nowhere, and uh, he's a major dark horse. He seems like a fantastic player, and nobody just knows anything about him, which is kind of awesome. We bring in Jesus, and he's been absolutely banging goals. Now we have our, our left, maybe not even left back cover, but we have another left back and championship pedigree in Zinchenko with that leadership. And now it's like, wow, this is a, this is quite a window. So, and the, and the beauty of it is that a dude's worked in such silence that a couple of pods ago, we recorded on a Thursday night or it was on a Wednesday night and Thursday morning, the Vieira news broke <laughs> and we didn't mention him anywhere. Like we mentioned some crazy target possibilities and Vieira was nowhere in there and that broke in. And you're right. That's what gives us the hope that, and the realistic hope that it could be a big name that, or even a name that we don't know as well, but Arteta's clearly had an eye for, scouting talent and guys that will fit what we need and that's what gives me confidence that we'll get that last attacking player that we need a guy that can allow Sokka to not have to to clock in every single day for us right no doubt yeah I'm uh I'm excited I mean you talk about Josh Kroenke with his uh great meme let's just say i'm excited or whatever it said i would say be excited whatever exactly he said yeah i'm pretty excited right now and you know the the hope and the optimism i think we got to give a lot of credit to arteta for bringing that back doing it the right way not only with the characters of the club but the people that he's brought in you know he's he's really had to take a holistic approach and i do credit the ownership and the board for giving him a chance to do that. I don't exactly know what that pitch was like for him, but it is very clear that he has had to do this from the ground up, but has also been allowed to do that. And yeah, so excited. Um, I mean, I'm an optimistic guy, but to see this um, continue at this trajectory and, you know, it's not a guaranteed thing or anything, but the moves that are happening, it's like, these are all making sense and we're doing things the right way. And maybe we haven't been able to do that. And I think, I think Wenger's hands were tied. And um, I think he couldn't always make the moves or get the support he needed. And I don't think Emery ever had a real chance. And now I think uh, Arteta's getting things that they didn't have. And, it's uh, it's working, and uh, it's going the right direction. So, enough about that. But very, very excited about what's ahead. New kit today. I mean, huge day. I didn't expect any news today with the new kit. Uh, some somehow that they seem to span things out perfectly. But we got a we got a new kit, and we got a here we go on Zinchenko. What a day! The new kit, the black with the gold, very LAFC looking, which I do love their kits. So what are your thoughts on the on the away kit, and uh, are you planning to get it? I will tell you, I will tell you this much, and I'll, I might end up getting arrested for saying this, but I already ordered 
all three of our jerseys for next season. Tremendous. The home, the away, and the alternate. I don't want to say where I ordered them from because that really doesn't matter. A reputable distributor overseas. Absolutely. And they'll be here in probably four or five weeks. <laughs> I was thought you were going to say months, and I wouldn't have been surprised by that. I Well, truth be told, I ordered an Obi Toppin Dayton Flyers basketball jersey in February of 2020. That is still in shipping on a dock in New York City. So that's where that's where we're at. I don't know. I don't think that's ever going to come here to me. But you know what? That's twelve dollars and fifty cents down the drain, and and we move on. But ordered three jerseys on Friday. The obviously the red, the black, and then the pink, and. I don't want to say I was stressed out picking out names for each jersey, but it was not an easy process. <laughs> Who did you get on the away? So the away, the black jersey, correct? Yeah. I I got to make sure I think through this. On the away, I'll tell you this. On the home, I got Martinelli, the number 11. Actually, no, I lied. I just, that was a spoiler alert. I got Gabriel Jesus on the home jersey. Nice. I, I, I felt think like I, I had I, to do it. I think I did the same, and then I got Martinelli on the away. That's exactly what I got. <laughs> he he seemed like the dude to get on the away, and that's evidenced by Arsenal's tweets today. He was featured in almost every single one with the away jersey. Yeah, I mean that just looks great with that new number. Yeah, that looks uh, the 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 eleven really is good. so sharp is so sharp. And then on the pink jersey, I don't even know if we've released that yet officially. No, we haven't. I wonder if uh, that will also be this week in Orlando. If not, it'll be the following week because we're just getting so close to season. They gotta have time to sell these out. So yeah, and I I feel like we've seen this pink jersey for months now, but. I debated for so long whether I wanted Saliba and if Saliba wouldn't have already been locked into the number two for sure, I think he'll get it. I just didn't want to order it without it being locked in. Yeah. So I went with a classic Arsenal center mid that, you know what? I've never gotten a jersey of his scored the goal of the year for us last season and a guy that would die for for the Arsenal badge, and I had to get a Xhaka jersey. Never got one. So my first granite Xhaka jersey is coming, and I couldn't be more excited for it. I bet he's your first number 34 jersey, at least Xhaka jersey that you have. Yeah, never had one. Probably will never have one again. I I love that when we signed him, we already had Copeland, who was 34, so so he – Got the 29, and once Coco left, he's like, give me that 34. I'm like, what is your affinity with 34? But whatever, man. Credit to him. I think it's uh, I think it's awesome. And it's similar to, like, Trent Alexander-Arnold. Like, Keep the 66, man. That'd be awesome. And you just – I know something special about those those different numbers. So, hey, good for you. I think that – I think that'll look class. And, and you know what? I hope that's – I hope that Ruel Walters – can make a first team appearance for us this year with uh, what does he wear 97 97 yes i forgot to mention him when we were talking about 
players we were impressed with. He looked solid. He's like 17, so I think he's uh, certainly one for the future. And to be the only academy guy when we have you know, guys like Marcelo Flores, Charlie Patino, um, Kayon Edwards, Brooke Norton Cuffey, we got some guys coming up. And Walters comes in, and he looked in both preseason games. He's looked tremendous, so been very yeah. impressed. I wonder what the plan is. I mean, he's come out of nowhere, so wonder if we're he's going to be right back cover, center back cover. Is he going to be like that fifth center back? I I'm, I feel confident Pablo Murray's not going to be around um, for the season. And then after Rob Holding, it's like, well, who's kind of that fifth center back? And he's shown versatility in right, left, and center back. So maybe it's 17-year-old Walters. That'd be pretty cool. It it would be, and you know someone out there is going to get that 97 jersey. That would be a fun one to own also. <laughs> one of the Baltimore pictures I saw, a, you know, we had that Puma jersey. It was black with the pink. It was a number 62 in Kedia. I was like, wow, the OG. It makes me think it's like every season I just need to take a punt on one of these academy guys and uh, – and have that jersey so when they get big, I'll be like, oh, yeah, you know, I had that Saka 77 or I had that Walters 97 or Patino 69 right now. It's like you just have one of those legendary ones. So. You know he was sweating out that new contract with Eddie over the last couple of weeks. <laughs> yeah. Well, credit to them. I mean, he's uh, – that's that makes it even more awesome for sure, so – Okay, well, what's, what's next on the docket here? Yeah, I definitely wanted to talk about that. Oh, questions from Twitter. We had some great responses. Um, let's get to those. Thank you for everyone that replied. I'll go in reverse order. We'll start with Gage, Ryhard. Gage, thank you for uh, your question at Ryhard 25 says, looking ahead, if we qualify for a Champions League, what areas do you think we should strengthen? I feel that I'll... Marquee left winger and a dominant midfield to complete the midfield trio. Well, we got so excited talking about um, the rest of this window. It's hard to imagine next window. Um, yeah, it's really hard to. I mean, the, the goal is certainly Champions League this season. And I think anything less will be an incredible disappointment. Um but, yeah, Kev, what are your thoughts on uh, what positions would you like to see enforced or, you know, go out and get that marquee signing with that Champions League money, that Champions League poll? What would you think? That's a great question. It's almost tough to see that far into the future, but it is. To me, to me, I look at our current squad and guys that will be on the out soon. And I already mentioned it earlier. I think, I don't know how much longer Jaka is going to be with us. And to me, our midfield is still the, the final piece we need in order to compete day in and day out with the cities and Liverpools of the world. So just that, that marquee second addition to our midfield. And, and I hope we get, one 
maybe two of those guys in this window already. But I think adding that depth there and adding different guys stylistically. And we, we talk so much about Lakonga and his skill set. And I think there's always a chance that we may go in for a, a defensive mid sometime soon. I know Partey, you, you saw his how how much he was needed for us, even against Everton on Saturday. And I think that could be a spot that we need. I'm not sure exactly what where his contract situation's at. But I think something you see with the best teams in the world is they're not always afraid to let the good players go because they know they can also get new guys. And once you've had a guy on contract, he's going to demand more. And a guy like Jesus or Zinchenko, you either sell them or you end up signing them for even more money. And and they know that they can sign guys that are just as quality and get them on a better deal. And to me, to me, those moves will be made in the midfield first off. And I think then beyond the midfield, another marquee attacking player, whether that be a Gnabry or whoever that may be up top of that level of a world-class superstar on the wing. Yeah, I agree. I, I think, I think both of those, I think Gage, both those that you mentioned and Keski, you did too. I mean, the left-sided midfielder and then just another attacker. I think those are both. You just got to bolster. You just got to keep going. And, uh, yeah, that's where, that's where I would go. So, I, uh, you, you never know with, I mean, in terms of outgoings, I'd, I'd like to think most of the guys that we have are part of the long-term plan. Um but you even have to think of Thomas Party. I mean, he'll be 30, and uh, that's kind of the wrong side of that number. So what did you think about? So great question, Gage. Thank you. Another question here from Hipgrave at ASP Hipgrave. Thank you for the question. How do you see ESR fitting in with a team with competition from Martinelli, Vieira, and Odegaard? Great question. I mean, this is probably the question that we continue to come back to and still have no answer for. I mean, the fact that he hasn't played in, um, I think he played the first preseason game against Nuremberg, but did not play last game. And I doubt he plays, didn't look like he trained today, so I doubt he plays Wednesday. So, you know, the question is, where does where does he end up? You know, I'll take this one. I think what I've read a lot about is the inverted fullbacks you look at if a Zinchenko comes in, and now our buildup is a 2-3-5, and Zinchenko is one of the three in the midfield, that puts our left-sided eight, which was primarily Xhaka this season, into a more advanced role, which doesn't necessarily shoot him to his full qualities. I mean, I think we saw him being the first one into the penalty box numerous times. And that's not his game. So I think Smith Rowe, I think I'm I'm quite confident his future is in the midfield as an interior. I've read a lot about that. Um, our boy Rohan, uh, great, great account, talks a lot about that. And I think as dynamic as he can be on the wing, I don't think he's explosive enough. I do think 
his passing quality and his dribbling burst um, gives some similar Wilshire qualities, his competitive nature. Um, he really adds a different dimension in the midfield. So I think left-sided eight in the 4-3-3 has to be the future for Smithrow, but I don't think he's there yet. We've seen him. We, he did a little bit last season and struggled, and, you know, he's clearly not fit yet. And I, I don't want to speculate on if this is something that we're going to have to worry about for a while. Um, it's hard to tell with players his age, but he was injured while Saka was developing. And so that's why Saka's a year or two ahead of him. And we just really need to get him a clean bill of health and put him in a position where we don't have to rely on him, play him in minutes where we need him. And I think that's why we were able to rotate him with Gabby last year and to success for both of them. So um, I think long-term position in the midfield. So thank you again, Hipgrave. Great question. Another question is someone we'll give to you, Kev, from a boy, Jeremy Rufner. Arsenal have used a back three in each of their first three, first two preseason games. Do you think it will be used this season? That is a great question, man. Shout out to Jeremy Rufner for that question. I know he's been a long time listener of the pod. And we we both talked about on Saturday about the excitement of seeing Arteta work on that new formation. There was a lot of questions ahead of time whether we'd see it again. And I think if we've seen anything from Arteta over these last two, two and a half seasons that he's been managing is that he he seems to be prepared for all sorts of these different situations and always wants a way to change if we need to. And, you know, you look back at the win at Stamford Bridge back in April and we started out, I'm kind of forgetting exactly what we switched from and switched to, but we went from kind of like a back five to a back four or maybe the opposite. Do you, uh, do you remember exactly what that change was? Uh, last season? I mean, yeah. we in Arteta's first season, it was a three back. And I think two seasons ago, um, the main COVID season, his first full season. Um, yeah, we kind of went in and out of that. And then last season, I don't think we – Saw a ton of that. At the beginning of the season, we did because we were just rattled with injuries and COVID. Um, so, yeah, we did see a little bit of that. And then then to the 4-2-3-1, and then around Boxing Day, got to see that 4-3-3. Yeah, and then the game at Stamford Bridge, I think Saka started out as a wing back, And then maybe... Five to ten minutes in, we switched, and it was still zero zero at that point. But we switched the way we were set up, and Arteta just didn't like what we had and changed it up and scored shortly thereafter. And I think that he likes having that in his back pocket. And we've got the dudes who can do it now. When you throw Saliba back into that mixed with Ben White and Gabrielle. I think it's we finally have the opportunity to go three in the back. Mm. And I don't think that will be our 
go-to formation by any stretch, but I think we will see it sooner rather than later in an important match because it's what we it's what he feels like we need to and I, I don't think we have the wing backs necessarily at this point to do that. I think Martinelli can do it. It's not his best position. I hate taking Saka further away from goal. I don't know that that's Tomiyasu's best best spot. But Obviously, Zenchenko can do it. He's done that role with City often, or a similar role for City. But I think that preparing for scenarios with the back three, but I think ultimately the back four is still what we're going to be relying upon most this season. Yeah, well said. I think I could see it. We saw the Nuremberg game when we are down 2-0 at halftime. Um, we saw it in the second half. Um, against Everton with a disjointed side uh, when we were up, but kind of the the non wing back three like three in the back and your wing backs are midfielders or attackers. We saw that a little bit with Martinelli. I do remember that some during the season when we were down. It's a big ask for him, but ultimately just gets more numbers forward and puts more pressure, and we have the ball, which creates more chances. So I think uh, yeah, we don't have the wing back to do that, but we seem to be finding a way to do it without them. So interested to see what that looks like. So again, thanks for your question. Jeremy, our last question from Jeff Peterson, LLC. I'll take this one. Do the absences of KT and Tommy has to worry you or is the fan base overreacting? Um, is it possible to have both? Because I, I would say who I'm more worried about is KT, but you eloquently talked about it earlier. It's preseason. He just had a surgery. He was ahead of schedule. He played 30 minutes. There's no reason to push at all. Do I think he's going to be playing at Selhurst Park? I don't. I actually really don't. And maybe the fact that we have Zinchenko slows that and doesn't put us in that position where we have to rush players back like we did with Tomiyasu, which got him injured and has kind of created a, a terrible cycle. Um Tomiyasu worries me because we don't have that that natural backup, that right back. Although I do think if he was out, we would slide Ben White over Saliba and Gabriel, and that's not a bad that's not a bad uh, look right there. But I love Tomiyasu. I don't. I've said this before. I don't think there's a player like him in the Premier League. I'd be very hard pressed to find a player in Europe like him. I mean, he's he does everything and. You know, he maybe offensively he's not going to be everything you want out of a right back, but he's uh, defensively. I mean, he is just a monster, and I love watching him defend. I'm so I feel so confident with him in when he's on in one v ones when he's in the air. I mean, he's so fun to watch. So, um, yeah, that's uh, I don't know if I can be both, but that's uh. That's where I put it. So, do you have any thoughts? Are you worried? Uh, yeah, I think you summed it up. Summed it up perfectly. And if we go another two, three weeks and Tierney isn't training and we haven't seen him in any pictures, nothing's looking good, then then I start to worry. And But ultimately, and I know the Zinchenko deal isn't, 
done. It's not been announced yet, but having him into the squad will be such a relief. And all of a sudden, we're not looking nearly as much at if we have an injury to left back, we're screwed. It's or, funny. it's funny when you pointed out last week, like, hey, where's Tierney been? And I knew he got off the plane. I saw him off the plane, but didn't see him any any of the training stuff. Uh, but that made me think, it's like, okay, wait. If he's not going, and then all of a sudden we see the Zinchenko links, and, uh, yeah, I just thought that was pretty funny. The pace at we, us realizing Tierney is a no-go at the moment and Zinchenko happening, I think, uh, yeah, those coincided well. Because w- without a left back in the buildup, and then with Tomiyasu hurt too, it's like, uh, okay, well, now our buildup looks a lot different. So, um, but yeah, I mean, e- even if he misses a couple, a couple games, and he's back and, and fit the rest of the season, then then that's worth it to me. I think we've learned our lesson rushing players back, and I think that's making us get them the depth that they need. So, um, yeah, and, we'll, we'll see. Yeah, and ultimately the nice thing is with Tierney is, no offense to our Scottish listeners out there, but them missing out on the World Cup was such a relief for me just for Tierney because that's going to be four-plus weeks that He's sitting at home, hopefully recovering and not playing for Scotland. And and, and obviously, if he's playing for Scotland, he's probably going to be playing 90 minutes a game, busting his backside up and down the flank like he always does. And it, it'll give him a chance to have a break during that crucial part of the season where He's had to play so many minutes for us over the years. And hopefully that coupled with his Zinchenko signing, I mean, he can get actual relief and we don't need to rely on him and run him into the ground. Like we've almost had to over these past few years. Yeah. Well said, you know, mentioning that and just how he plays very much reminds me of Jack Wilshire and his combative style, his engine and, you know, sometimes that can be detrimental, and I'm not very much not saying the trajectory is going to be the same, but it does. Um, yeah, I I just thought of that, and let's hope. Yeah, I, hope hope that comparison is very far off. So, um, okay, well that's it for the questions. Thanks for everybody for responding. Twitter's been a busy place to be in general during this time, but. The Arsenal Bros Twitter has been especially busy, so thank you for all the interactions. It's been been a fun couple weeks, especially. All right, we have our last section for part one. Are you ready? Oh, yeah, let's hear this. I forgot we were going to do this. I'm excited. All right, we're back to scenarios from a hat. Continued on from last week. You guys seem to have a good time without so Without Benji, I'll step in for him. I'll pull him, and we'll just alternate here. So I have a summer edition. So, hypothetically, let's say we have an Arsenal backyard barbecue. I have some questions, and you have to pick who on the team you would like to have. So do a little rapid fire, but if you need to take a 
minute, 30 seconds a minute to give you, uh, give the listeners um, an explanation. That will be a lot, okay? All right, let's do it. All right, I'll start with you. Okay, first one, oh, classic barbecue game, cornhole. So you're playing cornhole. Who do you want your partner to be? Uh, great question. I think you want a guy who's going to take it seriously. So for me, Granite Jaka seems like a dude who plays cornhole, but not only plays, <laughs> but is going to take no crap from no one, and he ain't going to lose. So for me, give me Granite Jaka. They, they play cornhole in Switzerland? I hope so. Surely it's just called something else, right? It's got to be. Okay, next one. The Summer DJ. Somebody's got, picking the best tunes. I know Aaron Ramsdale does the tunes in the locker room. So I'm going to have to go with Rambo. I feel like, yeah, I feel like he can blend with a lot of crowds. I mean, the British crowd, the younger crowd. Um He's goalies was a little crazy. I don't know. I would uh okay, let me back up a second. My style barbecue. I actually want Rob Holding. He seems Yes. He seems to be a huge country music fan, which I love. I mean, at a barbecue you gotta have you can't have like EDM music or I, you just gotta have country music. It fits it is barbecue music and I think he was at CMA Fest this summer. I mean, he's an honorary American. Well, I think there's an article in The Athletic about that. And, uh, and the, question, the question to be raised, is Rob Holding more American than Matt Turner is? Ooh. And we don't know Turner's personality quite enough yet, but it's if he's not more American, he's not far off. Okay, here's my question. <laughs> Could Rob Holding play for the men's national, the U.S. men's national team? If if he he's dating an American right now, if if they get married, would would that count, or is it does it solely come from um your family's lineage? I don't know the answer, but I do know that FIFA is more corrupt than back alleys in Chicago. <laughs> So we know the U.S. needs a center back for this upcoming World Cup. So at this point, why not? Without Miles Robinson, if we could have a back line of Walker Zimmerman and Rob Holding, I, I would be down for that. Absolutely. You know, man, we might be onto something here. We need to see if we can pull some strings because I think the uh, I think the route to the England team. Is not going to happen for him, unfortunately. I I did really think he had a chance, and uh, a ship has sailed. But I think we would open him with, uh, welcome him with open arms to the the U.S. men's national team here. So, absolutely. Would you do that? Oh, and for would, sure. Would, would he play? Oh, he would play. I would have that jersey. I, that jersey's already on its way from China since we've started this conversation. <laughs> Maybe it's an overreaction, but you know what? Sometimes you just got to go for it. Holding 16 in the Stars and Stripes. That would be... Okay. We got to keep bringing that up. I think he would be down. I really do. I think he would, too. He loves this place. He has to live here for a certain amount. Maybe he can... Maybe he's uh, he has a secondary residence in Nashville. 
Anyways. He's got to. It wouldn't surprise me. Okay. We'll have to revisit that. All right. Back to you. Here's the question. Who's on the grill? Who's cooking up the best summer meals? This? that, That question. That's a good one. I have somebody in mind. Not a player, and that might give it away. <laughs> not a player. All right, who do you got? Let's hear your let's hear your insights while I'm still processing over here. It's a barbecue. It's a do. Oh my gosh, I'm an idiot. You missed the layup. It's all right. I did. You're not wrong. He's what? But the question is, what's he cooking over there? I think he's cooking up a a cheeky ninety mil bid for Victor Osiman. Oof. I I can smell that through the phone. It smells <laughs> great. It is marinating. It is. It's been for a while. I All think right. I got it. Oh, man, this is a tough one. I would love to hear some this would be a great question to put out on the on the Twitter account and see mm. what our followers have to say. I might go with I feel like Thomas Partey could cook up something good. A little Ghanaian grill master. And he would he would take it seriously enough. I feel like you need – we have too much youth, and they don't know how to grill. Yes, yes. And He's one, one of the elder states. Actually, no, I don't know if El Nene eats meat. I don't know. That might be mm, – Fair point. I'm not sure what El Nene eats. You got to be aware of the dreads in the – with the open flames. For sure. I could put on any as DJ. I feel like hmm. he'd be a good time for that, but maybe Partey on the grill. But I'm not I'm not completely sold on that, but okay. I'll I'll lock that in final answer. No, I actually like that. I like that. The reason is good. All right, next one for me. Best tan. I think that's easily Ben White. I think uh Yeah. I think I read something he has a tanning bed in his home. I mean, Good for you. You're ready for all elements. Orlando, Wednesday night, not going to be an issue for Benny Blanco. It's interesting. I'm hearing uh, Chiellini and Gareth Bale's post-game interviews with LAFC. They both played at Nashville, and they were both said uh, they were asked, what's the difference between you know Europe and MLS, or how does the MLS look different on TV? And they're like, you don't know how hot it is. And they both complain about how hot it was even in the warm-ups and uh it's a real thing and gotta get in that sauna but benny blanco's gonna be ready for ready for that orlando heat that he is yep all right that was that was an easy question all right who at your barbecue who eats the most who's, who's the player on the team that's going to be a put down. It's always the guy that you somewhat least suspect. Ooh. I feel like I'll give you this one. The guy whose body has changed the most. Actually, there's two guys that come to mind for that. It's got to be for me, either Eddie and Ketia or Martinelli. Wow. I we- we have seen them develop physically in an outstanding way over the past 
12 months or so, those boys are working, which means they need to eat. And we know Brazilians love their steak. So for me, I'll go answer 1A, Martinelli, and 1B, Enketia. I like it. I like it a lot. All right. Got, let's see. There's two more left in here. All right. I'll give both of them to you just because I'm a generous guy. I appreciate that. All right. Who shows up in the dad outfit? You know, the the khaki shorts, the air monarchs with the tube socks and the Hawaiian shirt. Who's who's most likely to be rocking that? That these questions are great. I I'm very <laughs> impressed with with what you've brought so far. To me, at first I think Cedric, but I, Cedric's too classy for that. He it's, is. It's got to be a guy who doesn't give a rip and to me well, I'll go back to Rambo for that. Hmm. I don't think he cares. I think he's confident enough that he can pull off whatever he wants, and he'll do it for the for the jokes. Who do, who do you think? Do you have anyone <laughs> in mind for that question? I was gonna say El Nini. I feel like the elder statesman. You know, he doesn't care. Dad life. I don't know if he is a dad, but if he is, I mean, he'd be perfect for this. So that he would. I'll, I'll stick with El Nini. I feel like he lives the most modestly, so it would actually be perfect for him. So, all right, my last question: Life of the party. <laughs> Who is just cutting it up with everyone, dancing, whatever? Who's who's that guy? The new guy cutting it up everywhere. Two names. Man, you know what? I wanted to say Nuno because he's everywhere, but you know who's truly everywhere and never shies away from the camera? It's <laughs> yes. Cedric. The dude is everywhere. I saw it was a tweet saying it. You look at all the guys boarding the plane going to going to the States a couple days ago. And Cedric stops and talks to the camera. Every other guy's giving him the nod, giving the wink. And here's Cedric finding his way onto the big screen. And you know what? Props to him for enjoying his time in the spotlight. So for me, easy answer. Cedric is that dude. I think he is quickly becoming an Arsenal cult hero. Yes. I mean, nobody wants to see him in the lineup. But now with Europa and maybe some... Cup games, I think. I think it may, he's he's gonna get to play a little more in games that we hopefully win, and and he looks just fine. But yeah, I think. Uh, yeah, I think he's on his way. Like people are realizing he's in all these pictures, and he's just he's just such a such a kind guy and such a humble guy and i like your shout of uh life of the party well said he is ben, ben white comes to mind but he seems like the dude that you see him and then he's gone for like four hours <laughs> and you're like where's ben white at and all of a sudden there he appears and you're not sure what he's been doing for the last few hours probably illegal activities questionable we won't we won't accuse him of that no, I don't I don't want to do that, but <laughs> I would enjoy hanging out with him. I, I'm not going to lie. So if he ever wants to join the bros for 
for some brews or whatever. Yeah, I feel like uh, I feel like Ben White's a good show. I think Bukayo Saka would be a good show as well. Is Saka even twenty one? Can we even do that? Oh, uh, I don't think Saka's twenty one. We're gonna have, it's gonna have to be a a a PG party for him and a couple others. But we can do that. We can drink some root beers. That's fine. <laughs> Fair enough. I would also throw in Gabriel Jesus because he is hanging out with everybody so far. So he good things for our new guy. He's here for the party. He he's here to win some trophies and and to, to party afterwards. I mean he's he's been there, done that. So keep it keep it flowing. So works for me. All right, that that'll wrap it up for part one. That was a good time. Hey, it's always fun. And like I said to start the pod, feeling so good about where we're at. And as an Arsenal fan, we know this feeling will probably be gone within two or three days. But for <laughs> now, feeling great. Well, it wasn't even that long ago where I think in a day we Chelsea came in for Rafinha. United came in for Lissandra Martinez. Something else happened. Like we were flying high, and then it was back to reality of being an Arsenal fan. I don't remember exactly yeah, what else. Yeah, it was happened. some allegations that we've not uh, talked about whatsoever. Yes, and that we we won't. But uh, that was, that was a hard day, and uh, yeah, that all dropped about the same time. But the good vibes are back, and uh, looking forward to. Some vibes comps videos coming out to preview the season. Some of our new guys, and uh, yeah, things are things are about as good as they can be at the moment. And uh, I think there's some more guys on the way, and that's exciting. And so- Roth will be dropping his new compilation here soon. I know he's teased at it a couple times on his Twitter account. Yes, that's. That's who I was going for. The best comp maker in the game. We're excited for more, for sure. So that'll do it for part one. Excited to hear a little bit more about Baltimore from Benji. In part two, you're going to want to stick around for that. But Kevin, thank you for joining. Hey, always a blast. change of plans we were talking about having benny share about baltimore today we're going to save that for next week as we introduce our state of soccer in america so we'll save that for then but here is a quick instant reaction about the win over orlando city what is up everyone hey it's nick with part two sharing a little bit about the instant reaction here with our win over Orlando City. We're 3-1 up late. Got a couple minutes left, but I wanted to jump on to just to share a little bit about how it went. So quickly looking at these kits, the black and the gold, the, their debut. I can't say enough about them. They look tremendous. They even make you know, guys that we call Deadwood look great. Pablo Marie looking handsome as ever. Nuno Tavares, Ainsley Maitland-Niles, guys that... Maybe we'd like to see out the door, but they look tremendous in this kit as well. It was great, especially to see our big stars wear them as well. So that is going to be a popular choice. I wonder how much we'll end up wearing it this year. I feel like we never wear our away kits enough, but 
Maybe this will give us an excuse to wear it more, but looked tremendous, no doubt, and hoping we have great memories with that. So first goal, great holdup from Enkedia. Played a one on a quick one-two with Gabriel Martinelli, and I think it'll actually go down as an own goal because it was going wide, but deflected goal in in the fifth minute, so off to a hot start. But, man, it was all Orlando City after that. They were definitely taking control, and I think we had a hard time playing a high line with a Cedric, Rob Holding, Pablo Marie, Nuno Tavares back line. Felt a little bad for Aaron Ramsdale um, with that back line, but this is a little glimpse at maybe what our cup lineup will look like, so concerns there. Uh, they had a great, Orlando had a great 1v1 ball played in from the deep, deep defensive third through 1v1 uh, with Ramsdale, and he made a great save, fair to him, but definitely exposed uh, Mari and Nuno Tavares, and that wasn't the first and only time happened again um, to lead to Orlando's goal. Nuno Tavares caught back up, but uh, Ramsdale got beat from about 20 out, a little unsighted, but a great finish nonetheless. A uh, game just finished 3 1, so we have a full time whistle there, so. 3-1, went into halftime 1-1, and uh, Orlando definitely the better team. We certainly had uh, a B team, Martinelli the only regular, Martinelli and Ramsdale the only regular starters out there, and Orlando in midseason form. Didn't play full strength, but definitely could see our cup team needing some, some creativity injected to that, so... We'll be interested to see that. We had a right side of Cedric, Pepe, and Maitland-Niles, and that is going to spell some troubles, I think, uh, just in the build-up and defensively, and it certainly did. Uh, bless the Brits staying up for this. I think Americans get a lot of stick for just being foreign fans, but it's f pretty funny to see it flipped, having an hour rain delay, and they're staying up till 2 a.m. to get the kickoff here. And uh, credit to them that stayed up, especially after that first half, the second half was definitely worth it, so um, yeah, credit to them. A lot different seeing that changed. Uh, Zinchenko in the stands, he's all but announced now. Was hoping he'd get paraded around at halftime or something, but maybe we'll see that announced tomorrow. Also at halftime, there was a tweet saying how he was, uh, how Lucas Torreira had to go home to Italy for, not home to Italy, had to go to Italy for personal reasons, so interested to see uh, what exactly that means. So not sure if that means he's out the door or if genuinely dealing with some uh, family issues or what. But interesting on that as we finish up with some transfer speculation. Second half, we saw Eddie at left wing with Jesus Central, and that's dynamic. I th actually think we're going to see a lot of that. Their link up is electric, and he took his goal really well. Odegaard came on and, and also looked very lively. Lots of balls into center forward. A ball in Jesus' turn and was through and got bladed. It was going to be a penalty, but Eddie followed up quickly to bag to make it to one. And then we saw a little bit of a back line of Ben White at right back, Saliba at right center back, Gabriel left center back with Nuno much higher. But I think we're going to see a lot of that, especially if we have Tomiyasu Injury issues, but was great seeing that. They look so dominant. Saliba had a, 
uh, 1v1 in the box and calmly won the ball while getting fouled and played out of that with no issues. So he is Colossus. Excited to see him in the Premier League. I know Orlando City isn't the best competition, but they're in the playoff hunt. They're in the playoffs right now in the MLS and you know, have some talented players, as we saw with Pagundo Torres's well-taken goal um, in, you know, in mid-season form as well. So a good run out for the boys. Reese Nelson combined well with Saka and others to score late. Happy for Reese. Interested to see what it's like for him. And, uh, yeah, you could tell Martin Odegaard was loving, loving having a mobile striker and uh, very excited for him to reap the benefits of that. Lots of outside of the boot balls in, looking to play one twos, looking to play soccer. Odegaard looked very hungry. So full time three one. It looks like uh, some of the second half players are getting some sprints in. Good for them. They got sixteen days till kick off at Selhurst Park. So great to see them continuing to up the fitness. Chelsea comes uh, again in Orlando on Saturday, so that is a quick turnaround as well. So again, I think we'll see a similarly rotated team, uh, maybe two teams again, half by half, as we uh, go into Chelsea and then the Emirates Cup against Sevilla, and maybe a behind closed doors game. But that'll be about it. So and that will do it for us this week. Thank you so much for listening as always. Remember, you can find us on Twitter at the Arsenal Bros. If you know somebody that would enjoy this show, please share it with them. We'd love to keep spreading the word. Next week, we'll be back on to share a little bit more about the state of football in America. So from players and coaches, professional, college, fans, you name it, we're getting opinions from everybody that we know to share a little bit more about what they think of the game currently in America. So you'll definitely want to join in for that one. Thanks again to Kevin for jumping in. We'll catch you next week.